two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast in the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. This week, we approach one month since the devastating wildfires struck Maui. Fires engulfed the the town of Lahaina. 115 people lost their lives and at least 385 people are still missing. Tens of billions of dollars worth of damage has been done making this the deadliest wildfire the U.S. has seen in more than 100 years. Still, there's a lot to be uncovered on the exact cause of the fires, but all signs are pointing to mismanagement of the power lines by Hawaiian Electric. This brings up a number of questions related to the safety and security of our entire electrical grid. So today I'm joined by an expert, Tommy Waller. He is a retired Marine Reserve Lieutenant Colonel with two decades of experience and he's the current president and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. Tommy, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'm so glad you're with me today. Sure, Twitter, thank you for, for having me on. Yeah, the story with Maui, I think it goes beyond just Maui, but what we're looking at in Maui is pretty devastating. I, I actually, just before I sat down here to talk to you today, I was watching a video from some residents there saying, we're just done. We're just done with the United States. We're done with the United States government. We feel like we've been totally abandoned because not only did this happen with the electric grid and they're not getting answers, they're not really being served by the U.S. government right now either. What do you, from from your experience level, what do you see as having happened on the ground there and could it have been prevented? Well, Tudor, it's Again, it's going to have to be investigated, but just the the cursory investigation uh, that I did, just looking at video uh, from both the local news media, social media, you know, you witnessed in numerous locations electric grid infrastructure causing fires, Uh, you know, transmission lines uh, on the ground, in the grass, flames 
abounding from those transmission lines. Uh, in some cases, there were video of substations that were arcing and sparking. And so, you know, it looks a lot like the fire came from the electric grid. And when you discuss, Tudor, the mismanagement of it, you know, the argument that I most recently made in the Wall Street Journal is that the people who would know the best if it were mismanaged would be the actual employees within the electric utility industry. And right now, they don't have any whistleblower protection to be able to, to speak out to the American people about issues of safety or security that they see. And, and that, that's something that I think we need to change in this country. And you say that because in the past, folks have spoken out and they've lost their jobs. So you feel like there could be potentially this culture of fear. If I say something, I might not have a job. But if I don't say something, then this could potentially be catastrophic. And we're seeing this. I mean, we saw this in California. Now we've seen this in Hawaii. But this goes beyond just the danger. I mean, we also saw this in in Texas. They said that that was mismanagement as well. And so you go from fire to freeze in the middle of an ice storm. I mean, this is all pretty catastrophic that could happen if if something else, if this continues. Right, Tudor. Yeah, you just mentioned the real world examples. Uh, So California, right? A PG&E had an employee named Todd Hearn, who he tried to blow the whistle. He tried to warn the company about the prospect that their technology that they were installing on the grid could could cause fires. Uh, And he was fired. He lost his job. And, you know, a a year later, uh, the campfire took the lives of 84 American citizens and PG&E was convicted of of involuntary manslaughter. Right. And so that's where I think, you know, whistleblower protection would go a long way for for issues of safety like that. But well, let me ask you if they were I mean, knowing that they were convicted of involuntary manslaughter, why wouldn't the companies also want this protection? Why wouldn't they want the people out there on the lines to be able to come out and say, hey, I want you as a company to be protected as well as the citizens. Tudor, that's a great question. In fact, that's the sort of question that our Congress should be pulling these CEOs in and questioning them and and directly asking them those questions. You know, oftentimes when you have very powerful industries uh, that that have what's called regulatory capture, in other words, they really affect the government's ability to regulate them. uh, There is this uh, this notion that they can write the rules, right? And with the electric power industry, in many ways, that is the case. The, the industry makes its own rules, and it often has the ability to break those rules. And the American public doesn't even get to know which companies break them. And I could explain all that, but the whistleblowers inside the industry would be a, a huge help to be able to, you know, change that culture. That culture that you know they they really think that they can get away with writing their own rules and breaking them at will. I think that we need to understand that because it's not just that we see these these catastrophic events. We see these increases in prices that nobody seems to be able to control. I mean, as most of our listeners know, I'm here in Michigan. Michigan has some of the highest energy costs in the nation. We just recently had a storm, a storm compared to the hurricane that Florida had. After the storm, we had power out for some homes for five full days. Now, in the middle of summer, you know, we don't get as hot as someplace like, you know, Arizona, but it was a hot week. We have no power. We've also had this same experience in the middle of winter. So how do you start holding these companies accountable? Because it seems like in Michigan, it's just the wild, wild west. You can't do anything when the power goes out. You have no control over these companies when they decide to raise your rates. Right. So Tudor, the number one thing is transparency. 
right? So sun, sunshine is the best disinfectant. And so that, in mm-hmm. fact, that's a lot of what we do at the Center for Security Policy. We have a Secure the Grid coalition nationwide that works on trying to, to get the industry to secure its infrastructure uh, and to expose when there are bad actors, right? I mean, it, it might be kind of mind-blowing for you to know this, but right now, the industry writes its own standards. And if they violate the critical infrastructure protection standards that they write, the public doesn't get to know the names of the violators. And so, you know, our coalition filed Freedom of Information Act requests, 255 of them for 1,500 company names. And the federal government denied those FOIA requests. In fact, we're in the middle of a lawsuit right now with the federal government over this issue of transparency. That's the number one thing we can do to change that culture is just to be able to shine some light, some sunlight in it. When we talk about transparency, I think there's something bigger at play here because there are some of us who say, what if the entire grid goes down? What if a bad actor comes in from another country and takes the entire grid down? This is something that a lot of people may not realize the Trump administration was working hard to fight against because they had said, "Okay, we're not going to bring in transformers from adversarial countries. They had found out that we were getting a lot of these transformers from the Chinese. The Chinese also had some things placed on these transformers that, you know, who knows? Could they have shut off our power? Could they control our power? These are all incredibly scary thoughts when you think about, well, well, if the Chinese want to take over the United States, what's the best way to do that? Cripple us with no power. And then suddenly you can just cross into our borders and take us over. What is what did the. How did the Biden administration change those safety standards? Yeah, so Tudor, you know, you, you mentioned in China, this is absolutely in their war fighting doctrine, right? It goes all the way back to Sun Tzu. You think about, you know, what he said is the supreme art of war is to subdue your enemy without fighting. And that's exactly what it would be if they took down the grid. Fast forward to 1999 uh, with a book, Unrestricted Warfare, written by two People's Liberation Army colonels. You know, if your viewers and listeners just download Unrestricted Warfare PDF offline, uh, they will see on page 144 a whole scenario that lays out when two developed countries go to war, how one attacks the civilian networks, including electricity, to grind to a halt the other. And unfortunately, the, the Biden administration in many ways opened the floodgates back up to investments in China. You mentioned before, Tudor, that the Trump administration had passed an executive order May 1st, 2020. It, it, President Trump declared a grid security emergency after they found a hardware backdoor on a massive Chinese transformer. At that time, there were about 300 in our grid. And on the first day of the Biden administration, they suspended that executive order. And now we have about 428 Chinese transformers in our grid. But Tudor, it's what really could been- possibly what could possibly have been the reason for them to change that order, because we are talking about national security. And when we talk about national security like this, it gets me really fired up because I think, why don't we know this? I mean, you talk about transparency on the grid, but why do we not hear? Honestly, I I have to say on the opponent side, on the Republican side, why aren't they coming out and saying this is a massive danger to national security? But this is the first time I'm hearing this. Tudor, it's a bipartisan failure. Both Hmm. sides of the aisle have failed. And there have been good things on both sides of the aisle. You know, President Obama passed an executive order that would attempt to secure our grid against solar weather. So like the natural form of electromagnetic pulse, President Trump passed an executive order to secure the grid against nuclear electromagnetic pulse. Those are good things. 
But by and large, and it's really the fault of, of both the administrative state in government, but it's also the fault of the industry and how they create their own rules uh, to be able to just avoid any sort of regulation. And so it's truly bipartisan in, in, in how we failed, and it's going to have to be bipartisan in how we turn this around and succeed in securing this infrastructure we can't live without. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I see a new ad has come out from the Biden administration in the last couple of days. It's going to be playing in, I think, five or six different states. And one of the things that it says in the ad is that Joe Biden has increased our energy independence. I, I've got to laugh when I see that, because I think who's going to hold them accountable to the fact that that is the exact opposite of what he's done. It's not just that we have an, a crisis with the grid but we don't have the supply. We are currently talking about shutting off our own supply of energy. I mean, Governor Whitmer here in the state of Michigan had a what's next 
press conference last week, which is like something new. We've never heard of it. Nobody could ask questions. So we don't even know what it was because she just walked off afterward. But part of what's next is 100% clean energy in the state of Michigan. How is that secure? We don't even know what clean energy is. We don't even know what, how, how many sources could you possibly get in the state of Michigan to be able to power the entire state? How much of a national security issue is that? So Tudor, what, what you're articulating right now is a whole new threat vector for the grid. So traditionally, uh, the national security community that were focused on protecting this infrastructure, we saw four main threats. You had physical sabotage, cyber attack, you had natural, you know, whether it was ter terrestrial weather, like you mentioned, hurricanes or solar weather, like the natural form of EMP and nuclear EMP. Those were the four threat vectors. We now have six. The fifth is the supply chain, which we just talked about in one example with the Chinese transformers. And the sixth one is government policies, unreasonable government policies. Just like you mentioned, this country may suffer brownouts and blackouts because of its own policies before oh, we've seen it in California. That's right. Exactly. And so it's just it's unreasonable to think that you can attach all these new, you know, EV charging stations, electric vehicles to a grid that can't even produce enough power while at the same time you're shutting down baseload power generators like fossil fuel, coal, nuclear. You know, Tudor, the thing is, we actually do have the ability in this country to produce clean energy and we've already mined the components we need to do it. This is a policy priority we've been promoting for years, which is to take the spent nuclear fuel from our nuclear reactors and recycle it. You know, we could power the United States of America for 250 years with clean carbon free energy from just the spent nuclear fuel from the light water reactors we have in this country. But you say a word there that scares people to death and they just can't get past that word nuclear. Well, that, there's a reason for that, Tudor. That, that's an information operation that our adversaries uh, have levied against the United States for years. I mean, you look yeah. at other countries, China is investing heavily in nuclear. And so, you know, that the nuclear industry it really truly has the, the, the best safety record of any industry in the United States. So there's a ton of amazing potential with nuclear power if we were to be wise enough to embrace it. And so that's, again, it's a policy priority, you know, uh, Jennifer Granholm, the Secretary of Energy, talked about these Earthshot initiatives, right? Uh, these clean, carbon-free energy initiatives. Twice, Tudor, I personally briefed Secretary Granholm and her advisory board on the need to look at spent nuclear fuel as an Earthshot idea. I haven't really seen much indication that they're taking it seriously. No, we keep hearing more solar farms. They're just going to take over farmland, put out solar panels. They're going to start putting, I mean, there's been the argument for years as to whether or not they want to put the uh, wind, the wind turbines out into the lake, into the Great Lakes here. And I know they have them in the ocean. I know there's been some discussion as to whether or not that has affected the whales, the wildlife in the oceans. Uh, a lot of people have been fighting against putting them in the Great Lakes. They certainly don't want to have a bunch of those windmills out there in our Great Lakes to look out there and see that. But also, what is what is the impact of the clean energy? And that's the answer we don't ever get. Again, transparency, we don't ever hear. Now we're suddenly being told, well, when the rain hits the solar panels, there is something that comes off, goes into the ground. It does affect the groundwater. What is the truth about whether or not this is clean? Let me talk about EVs for a second, because right now, 
we're in the midst of potentially having a massive strike for the uh, auto industry. We're looking at the UAW saying they're demanding this, they're demanding that. But they're also saying, if you listen to what this UAW boss is saying, he's out there saying this EV vehicle production has severely impacted our lives, our careers, because when you're assembling a vehicle with no engine, with no gas powered engine, it, there's a lot fewer jobs there. There's a lot fewer, there's a lot fewer suppliers there as well. So we're talking about severely impacting Michigan alone, but the entire country because our automotive industry is just hanging by a thread. I mean, I think it was $4 billion that Ford last, lost last year on the EV vehicles. People aren't buying them. As you said, we can't possibly put enough chargers on our grid to actually have everybody have an EV vehicle. And it's costing us critical manufacturing jobs and putting us behind other countries when it comes to being able to be even mobile. I mean, what does that mean? What, how do we get to the point where the government mandates what we're going to purchase and the consumer is still going, yeah, I'm not interested? Well, too, that's exactly the problem is that the government's mandating something that's, that's unreasonable, right? And so, and I realize, Tudor, on one hand, I'm saying that the government should, should better regulate uh, the electric utility industry, right? And on the other hand, I'm saying that, that the government shouldn't be mandating certain things. But what you're talking about is the market. Right. Let let the right, people right. decide what works for them. Look, if if they want to go on a long trip and they want to go sit at an EV charging station for a couple of hours, every couple of hours. <laughs> hey, by, hey, I, by think all about, like, I honestly think about we used to travel. My in-laws live in Kentucky. So when the girls were little, you know, the trip for us is about six hours. But when the kids were little, they were, you know, you're you have babies that need to have their diapers changed and bottles and everything. And it would just take an extra two hours to get there with little kids. And you're like, oh gosh, this is such a nightmare trip. I think about what it would be like if we had to actually stop halfway through and wait an hour for the, and you might be waiting longer because I think what people don't always understand is that these chargers that you stop at, they're not necessarily these speedy, fast chargers that after 15 minutes, you're going to have a fully charged car. You could be waiting hours just to be able to make it through the end of your trip. Yeah, Tudor, you know, um, exactly. We, we need to think about what is reasonable. And again, let the consumer decide. If the consumer wants that to be part of their life and part of their lifestyle, that's fine. Look, I don't have anything against wind and solar. In fact, at the household level with battery backup storage, that's a great asset to have, right? If the, if the regular grid goes down and you can generate but that's power. also hard because the energy companies prevent you from having right. a solar panel on your house. So this is all like a big racket. You can't actually right. do that. In many places, you can't. You're absolutely right, Tudor. That, that's, that's that regulatory capture that we talked about. But, you know, when it comes to the, the EV situation, what, what's really worrisome to me is not that, that there's, you know, people interested in, in producing or, or using electric vehicles, but it's, it's the government promoting certain things for an ideological reason that don't that won't work, right? So you think about like the statements that have been made that, you know, by a certain year, all US military vehicles are gonna be electric vehicles. I mean, the people making these rules have not thought for a second about what it would be like to have to depend on an electric vehicle in combat. I mean, it's right. absolutely irrational. And unfortunately, you have big, gigantic industries and bureaucrats and government that just say, sure thing, yes, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, we'll do it. And they're going to be people who suffer immensely because of that. 
they can't get kids from their neighborhood to school on these electric buses. And you're going to put somebody out in a war zone and say, okay, let's hope that this electric vehicle is going to get you out of the war zone. It is outrageous. But, you know, we've seen the government do this. We've seen mandates before that have severely affected the way the country is run and the national security of the country. And I'm just going to go come out here and say it. The COVID vaccine mandate severely affected our military. We have lost a lot of military members. We lost a lot of folks who were lifelong military folks that have all of that experience gone. This is something we really don't talk about. I think everybody is sort of afraid to go there. But the vaccine mandate, it a lot of people retired, a lot of people left, a lot of that knowledge gone. What it, what kind of condition is our military in right now? I mean, I'm blessed that I didn't get court-martialed. I was in command at the time. I did as much research as I could on the on the vaccine itself, on the 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 legal nature of that mandate, and it would it was unlawful for me to force my subordinates to take any emergency use authorized product against their will. That is a violation of the law and I wouldn't do it. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, a case in point, 20 years in the, in the, in the Marine Corps. Um, and, and I retired after I spent a year trying to be able to continue serving. I mean, last spring I brought my family to a military installation to get a new ID. We were barred access. We weren't allowed in. My son was about to get his identification card. And when I found out that they wouldn't let us on this base where I had worked for three years at the time, had a top wow. secret security clearance. I said, son, step away. Don't don't put your fingerprint on there, because if they're not going to allow me and my wife, who served as a spouse for 20 years to enter an installation just to go see the memorial for our fallen service members, then then the next generation of Wallers is not going to be serving in uniform. That is the destruction that's been wrought upon the military by the people in charge. And Tudor, I'll just say I have it right here it, since we're on the topic, if, if you want to know the story of that vaccine mandate and what it did. There's a book written by a courageous active duty officer, Rob Green, defending the constitution behind enemy lines. And that's exactly the case with the vaccine mandate. I know we didn't start the conversation talking about that, but uh, we could probably do a whole nother segment on just that topic. It has been devastating to the military. That's what I think people don't understand is that this mandate was removed but people didn't who people who were let go. I mean, there were people that were actually let go from their active duty positions, told you're not welcome here anymore. Essentially, they were not brought back. They were not apologized to. They did not get their benefits back. They lost everything. Is that is that right? Many of them did. That's right. There are people who were forced to retire. You know, uh, I'm sorry, were forced out, you know, six months before retirement. The military was brutal about how they uh, how they enforce. In fact, the United States Marine Corps was exceptionally brutal. Tudor, if someone were to refuse medical treatment and you had to separate them from the military, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, the UCMJ, gives you a couple of codes that you can use. You can use refusing medical treatment or refusing inoculation. The Marine Corps decided to use a misconduct code called commission of a serious offense which is the wow. same as would be used for rape, theft, or any other terrible offense. And that was designed specifically to enable them to strip the, the honorable characterization of service, to strip the educational benefits that that service member would get after their service. The brutality of the enforcement of that mandate uh, was incredible. And it was designed specifically to do what it did. Tudor, it was a litmus test. You think about it's black and white that it's a violation of the law. 
to force someone against their will in the military to take an emergency use authorized drug or vaccine. It was a litmus test for the officer corps. And depending on how you look at it, we catastrophically failed. Or if you were the ones that wanted to shape the force to do what you want them to do in violation of the law, then you succeeded beyond your wildest dreams. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I saw an article just the other day, and I I, I see these things, and then you like see them for a split second, and they never return. There's nobody that kind of expands on these stories. But the story was that since the either since COVID or the vaccine, one of the two, there has been an uptick of heart issues in the military that is like 300 percent of myocarditis, heart attack, that kind of issue. I think a lot of people have said they don't feel comfortable with the, the information on this vaccine. We know that the side effects have not been released. We haven't been able to, to study what the pharmaceuticals, pharmaceutical companies have, all the data that they have on these vaccines. Do you think that a change of administration would change 
the mandate on this vaccine would change the view from the military on this vaccine? Would people be welcome back? And if they were fully reinstated, would they take that? So, Tudor, um, we started this conversation about the electric utility industry and regulatory capture. That's exactly what we have with the pharmaceutical industry is regulatory capture. So a couple things would need to happen with a new administration. One would be to address that issue of regulatory capture where the pharmaceutical industry writes the rules for the rest of America's health. Right. And then there'd have to be a serious investigation of the sorts of crimes that, that and cover ups that have taken place. And that would be the same for the military. The, the, the people at the very top that instituted these policies ought to be thoroughly investigated and prosecuted where possible for the crimes that they committed against the, the subordinate service members. I think that it's going to be difficult for a lot of the people who were removed from the military to want to come back because Tudor, you know, just because Congress, you know, forced the military to stop the mandate, they never fired any of the people who were brutally enforcing it and breaking mm -hmm. the law. And so the moral injury and, and look, Tudor, it's also there's a moral injury on top of the physical injuries that we're seeing. You, you know, I talk to service members who now tell me they're like, Tommy, I, I'm having difficult re difficulty recruiting. We can't seem to fill the ranks. The people above me are telling me to go and try to recruit the people we just kicked out for the vaccine mandate. I took the mandate wow. you know, against my will and they're acting like it's no big deal. Like you forced me to do this. My whole family is, is depending on me you know, to take this thing. I don't want to take for me to keep my job. And now you act like it never happened. Right. I hear that over and over and over again. And so the moral injury is is probably even worse than the physical catastrophe that's happened because of this mandate. So I know these sound like two totally separate subjects, but let me just ask you, we talk about the secure, the national security, the grid. You talked about how the the one of the first steps of warfare is something like this, where they would come in and they would try to kneecap us in some way to be able to take over. And that could be an EMP that could be taking down the grid if they have this ability to have these transformers that they have some sort of control over. For all we know, they are controlling them directly from China. They shut us down. They come right across our border. They come in and they, they take us over. Are we prepared? Is this military that has lost so many people, that has a morale problem, that is struggling to recruit, is this military prepared for the next step? And that is active warfare. Tudor, to answer your question about the military's preparedness in the context of which you just asked, right, which was the scenario where an adversary takes down the U.S. electric grid, the U.S. military is absolutely unprepared for that. And I tried to work this in uniform. In fact, I mean, we were blessed uh, before Mr. Trump became president. We briefed him on nuclear electromagnetic pulse. He made a promise. He kept that promise to address it. And then once the president passed that executive order on EMP, there were some courageous generals in the military that tried to aggressively pursue trying to protect the infrastructure against it. And I was brought in as a staff member to the U.S. Air Force Electromagnetic Defense Task Force founded by Lieutenant General Stephen Quast. And in the end, that task force no longer exists. General Quast was forced to retire. And, and as best I can tell, many of the recommendations made by the task force have not been adopted by the U.S. military. And so the reality, Tudor, is that if our grid goes down, the U.S. military members are going to starve and, and be in the same boat as the rest of the, the United States. And, and, and we don't have to. This is a fixable problem. It's absolutely a fixable problem. The military has protected its nuclear command and control against a lot of these threats. It's the American people and the rest of our bases, conventional bases, that need to be protected as well.
I think people don't understand when you say the grid could go down, what that means. And I, you know, you always see those, I'm the last guy in the world type of movies. There was one with Will Smith where the, he's the last guy in the world. And I think it's so funny because in the trailer, he's alone running on a treadmill. And in my mind, I'm like, who's running the power company? (laughs) How's he running on this? He's got nothing. You know, people don't understand. There's no refrigeration. There's no food. There's going to be mass chaos. I'm not trying to be terrifying, but when we talk about an EMP, I mean, your cars stop, your, your homes have no power, your cell phones don't work. There's no communication. Is that right? When it comes to nuclear electromagnetic pulse, Tudor, we know that we'll have nationwide grid collapse. That's a, that's, that's a sure thing. That, that will happen. Um, in terms of cell phones, you know, automobiles, we don't really know which ones would be affected and which ones won't. Uh, but, the, but the reality is if, if you have grid collapse and the grid's not working. Eventually then- you don't charge your phone. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so. That's the, and again, it's a it's a fixable problem. There are companies that have developed technologies that can that can protect against electromagnetic pulse, right? And and so what what we really need to do is we just need the American people to wake up to what you just said to this is this is scary it, it, and it's real. And in fact, we're we're blessed now that there's a film that was uh, just launched at the beginning of this year called Grid Down Power Up. It's a documentary produced by a gentleman named David Tice and narrated by Dennis Quaid. And so griddownpowerup.com is the website and people can watch a film that will educate them about this topic. And then the neat thing is on that website, we've created the opportunity for for people to actually get involved in the in the effort to, to convince their policymakers to protect this critical infrastructure. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. This is so it's been very interesting to me because I really think that no matter what side of the aisle you're on, First of all, you can see where there's failures on both sides of the aisle. And no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you have to look at this and say, this is critical to my life. This is critical to my future, to my children's future, whether it is national security from the military standpoint or from the electric grid standpoint. We all really need to get involved. And I just appreciate you, your willingness to come here and talk to us today. Sure thing, Tudor. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast today. As always, for this episode and others, you can check out TudorDixonPodcast.com, subscribe right there, or go to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to fourpatriots.com/tutor to get your solar generator. Generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.